Good evening and welcome. It is Wednesday night. This is the Independence Gang. I'm your host, JV. We've got co-host, uh, not Britt Griffith. We've got Vince tonight filling in for Britt. Kind of a little swap going on. Monday night, Trish did. And now we got Vince here, but you guys are still both on the panel together. This is going to be a great show. I think this might be one of the best shows we ever do. Tonight might be the one. Um, I can see Vince is all geared up for it. So is Trish. Juliet, uh, it's been a little while since you've been on. Good to see you again. Um, Good to be back. By the way, I, I do want to just, you know, again, wish uh, Britt a speedy recovery. He hasn't been feeling well. He did uh, send us a pic because he did want to make sure that we knew he was okay. So just showing Britt here. He's <laughs> resting comfortably. Um <laughs> Yeah, he looks like he's on the mend, I would say. So I, I feel good about that, just in case anybody was curious as to how he, how, yeah, yeah, he does look good. You know, he's, the color, the color's coming back to his he's face. Glowing. Yeah, he's, he's got his headphones on. So he's, you know, he's getting ready to come back to the show. Yeah, it's all good. Hey, everybody, JV here. Please take a minute and consider supporting the program. Our expenses are going up just like everyone else's. And it takes a lot to bring the show to you five nights a week. So we'd appreciate you going to the website, independencegang.com. Click on the Donate tab, or you can just type in independencegang.com slash donate. And spend a minute considering giving us a gift to help us fund our operations here. The Independence Gang is a labor of love, but there are expenses associated with it, and we appreciate your help. All right, so today we had, uh, by the way, thank you to everybody for joining us as people file into the chat rooms and all, all the various streaming platforms. We appreciate it. And as most people are aware, we had the second Joe Biden press conference today of his presidency, two in a year. And, you know, Vince, the thing I find really funny about this is as it was gearing up, you know, there's all this, all these media outlets are getting ready. They're talking about what to expect, what to hear, what to see. You know, it's this big, big media circus event. And I'm thinking to myself, Trump used to do this every day, just about. And nobody, I mean, obviously, because he did it so frequently, it wasn't a big deal. The fact that, that Biden has only done two of these uh, makes it a really, really big deal. And uh, it's, it's, it's as though the press was getting ready. I would use the analogy that the Pope was going to come to town, but I'm not so sure that's as much of a big deal anymore. I, that's probably true. Um, I don't think that is as much of a big deal as it used to be. <laughs> right. uh, to be honest, you're right. Um, but yeah, that, they did. They they did hype this up. But I, I mean, when the guy's living in a basement and you got to pull him out of the back cave, I mean, here to to go do a press conference. I guess it is a big deal in their eyes. It has to be. Um, it's all they have left. Um, so yeah, I want to get into a little bit of it now. Sadly. Or fortunately, I'm not sure which. It depends, I guess, how much you like these video clips I put together. But sadly, uh, the, it went so long. He actually did almost two hours, which is surprising, uh, that by the time it was ready to be downloaded so we could actually clip it, clip some uh, answers and stuff out to talk about, it was just too late to do that. So we'll have to do that for tomorrow night's show. But Trish, he went almost two hours. And in the beginning, I mean... We had clips from him speaking like a couple of days ago, and the man was nearly comatose. So I don't know if they're giving him Adderall. I don't know if they're injecting him with some adrenaline. I don't know what's happening, but it, it's, very, it's very clearly two different men. And uh, they, had, they had the A-game guy on tonight, at least, at least as far as energy goes. Well, meth is a hell of a drug, JV. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but you can see the difference, right? You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like the fact that he could actually, first of all, he's up past four o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, how many lids has he called before 1 p.m.? 
So the fact that he's actually up in the afternoon is a miracle amongst itself. But I mean, most of his answers were not very coherent and he did a lot of, oh, come on, uh, 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 and then would just change. So he, yeah, he, he, yeah, he just wasn't, he, he's never been like, it's kind of, I can't even say he wasn't his best because he hasn't ever been his best. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of, uh, just kind of word salad stuff. A lot of, a lot of words, but no real meaning. Juliet, I don't know if you noticed, but I did that toward the end of it, he did start to get a little bit glassy eyed. You know, you could see whatever the medication was, was starting to wear off a little bit toward the end of that, but he was out to prove something. He was out to prove that he could stay. He could hang, kept looking at his watch, kept saying, Hey, I'll stay. How long do you want me to do this? I'll stay here. You keep them coming. I'll do push-ups." In fact, I thought that looking at the watch constantly was so funny, honestly. Like, where do you need to be? Are you going to turn back into a pumpkin if you're here too long? Like, <laughs> did they say you have to be done by six? Like, the meds only last till six. You've got to get out of there. I don't, it was just very weird for him to constantly be like, oh, we've been here for an hour and a half, guys. We're done. I don't know. But, um, yeah, he was surprisingly alert that's the best i can say that's my nice statement and who's alert <laughs> what did you think vince of the overall tenor of the uh of the press in general do you think they were friendly do you think they were at all doing their job which would be to challenge him on some things i, I found i found the overall presentation of the press conference to be odd um i feel like if you actually i given given the what he did right the beginning of that was he did he did very well he stuck to the script he was reading from the prompter uh he had his book in front of it uh, in front of him and even when they started like i had predicted last night right he had the, he had the book he went in order he called the he called the reporter and uh, called the specific outlet they were from and he was doing a good job and, and i i actually believe some of those were canned responses. If you notice, after he was done with the prepared stuff, he switched notebooks. And even when he was getting, while the, while the reporters were asking questions, he was thumbing through the notebook. It was all pre-planned. It was all good, but they knew they couldn't get away with it that for the whole time. So they kind of, so, so as far as the tenor, I thought that part of the, and again, press conference, and that was a presentation. It was all put together, you know, to, to, this is what we have to do with them. We're going to put them in a box. And the whole first half or so actually went pretty well for him did he say anything of substance no did he say anything too off the rails no that's a win for the biden for the biden crew right they're happy right now he's not doing anything too crazy and then the question started like i said i thought it was all prepackaged, and but they knew they couldn't get away with that and they knew i i actually believe they had to set up i think they set up some bit of an adversarial uh, back and forth with the press. You got to show them as the tough guy. If they if they were all, uh, you know, puffball uh, questions, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't. Have, it wouldn't have been a good result in the end. So they've. So, but that's when the wheels started coming off the bus because he started turning into angry old man Joe. Get off my lawn, <laughs> Joe came out, and he started going up. And then he says, and I believe they wanted him to go about an hour and twenty, hour and a half, because that's right in line with. They could say, you know, Trump did him this long. Obama used to do him this long, right? And then, and this is the part, that's why he kept looking at his watch, because he knew he, how far he had to go. And then, hey, I can handle this job. <laughs> he says out loud, we can go another 20 minutes. Now, this is the part of the press conference where I, I was bothered. My biggest problem was they kept 
they kept it tight. I wanted to see the whole room. Yeah. In fact, I wish they had cutaway shots so at that point we could see the Biden, Biden staffers when he said, we're going to go another 20 minutes. They the sweat. The sweat. It's like, it's like, holy shit, we just got out. We probably got out of this fairly unscathed. Nope, we're going to go right right back into the into the pits of hell. And that's and that's where he took it for the next 20 minutes. He, was, he got angry. He was stuttering. He was, he was back to good old Joe. He didn't disappoint at that point. So I, I think... Like I said, the the early on Joe, he it was pretty good. I mean, it was it was benign. He couldn't didn't hurt himself, didn't help himself, and then the rest of it. I'll tell you tonight though of the reporting who captured it best was actually the New York Times headline is Biden Biden defends first year in office. Think about that. That's the New York Times take on that. Wow. He had to defend his first year in office. So. That's that's where I think we are with it. In I, a nutshell, that's what I got out of it today. So. I, you know, again, we're going to have some uh, time to analyze this in more detail tomorrow night. But uh, a couple of the questions, you say he came out fairly unscathed. I think there were two answers to two questions which are going to haunt him. Uh, and there may be more. Oh. But the two that come to mind is the one about Russia, Trish, where he, he, he almost basically said, yeah, you know, if they just kind of take a few, uh, you know, a thousand square kilometers, we're going to be okay with it. You know, a minor incursion was the way he put it. Uh, and then the White House has already backtracked on that. They're already issuing statements saying, no, no, no. Um, and then the other thing is when he was pressed, and this was one of the best questions, he was pressed about his virtual conference with uh, Chinese President Xi, where uh, the reporter said, "Did you? why didn't you challenge him on the origins of COVID. This is a crime against humanity. Why didn't you challenge him? And he stumbled a little bit and he said, I did. I did. And then the reporter said, well, wh why wasn't your press team aware of that? Because they said, no, he didn't. Happened. Exactly. <laughs> so the point is, it's a lie, Trish, and he's going to get caught on that one. And that's yeah, a big one, I think. Yeah, the rush the, and the Russian one, I think, is really going to get him in trouble because he basically just gave Putin permission to just walk into the Ukraine and start taking land. I mean, he he basically yeah. just said, oh, as long as it's a small thing, that's fine. Take what you want. Leave some we'll leave some mints on the pillows for you and it'll be good. But yeah, I mean, he based I, that's going to be a huge national security issue because Putin starts eating up the Ukraine and we're going to have some big problems. And yeah, the whole thing about China, he didn't, he never called anybody on the carpet about COVID for any, that. Mm, yeah. I, I was, I see, I'm going to start like swearing in a moment because it makes me so angry because he didn't do anything. He sat there like a freaking puppet and just, you know, he read his little note cards like a good little stooge. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he can't stand up. He listened. He's weak. He's so weak. Only the weak bullies are like, oh, I'll, you know, let's meet outside and I'll, I'll teach you what's what. No, no, he, yeah, he's just a big bully and he is, has no substance. Julia, what do you think of that smile that he always flashes when, you know, like when there's a reporter asking a tough question as though, oh yeah, I'm getting, I'm ready for this when you, you know, you pee on, you know, that big, it's a, it just seems fake to me. Do you think it's, you think it's a legitimate smile or is this something that's been practiced in a mirror a lot? Oh, it's it's fake. I mean, honestly, the between Biden, Saki, and Kamala, we've got a lot of really creepy smiles going around when the press <laughs> is talking. Like it's just they're all kind of weird and unsettling. Um, yeah, he does do that a lot, though, and it's it's very weird. I don't know how to explain that one. I think weird explains it, uh, Vince. I'm going to read. <laughs> I'm going to read the uh, statement the White House has issued about this Russia 
thing uh, because they were quick to try to clarify this. They said, um, President Biden has been clear with the Russian president. If any Russian military forces move across the Ukrainian border, that's a renewed invasion, and it will be met with a swift, severe, and united response from the United States and our allies. President Biden also knows from long experience that the Russians have an extensive playbook of aggression short of military action, including cyber attacks and paramilitary attacks or tactics. He affirmed today that those acts of Russian aggression will be met with decisive, reciprocal, and united response. That's not what he said yes. to the answer to the question. He didn't say well, anything no, like that. No, that is that is the official stance of the Biden White House. I absolutely agree and believe that. However, I think Biden gave us a little glimpse of what he may actually really feel about it. You know, yeah. hey, Russia wants to take a few a few miles. We're okay. We'll look the other way. Yeah, well, you know, my buddy, you know, my buddy Vlad. We'll let him, we'll let him do what he needs to do. But I, I think I think that's just Joe. Joe, Joe Biden has never been in a position, right? I, I think. Uh, He's never been in a position that I can think of throughout his entire career where he's taken a strong stance on on either national defense or you know uh, military defense or anything like that. So I, I think deep down he's you know he's I, I actually think Joe's a pacifist at heart you know and I don't think he uh, he has any in, uh, he has no desire to want to get into a war with Russia. But what's interesting though is that some of the things he signaled today were very Cold War esque, like some of the prepared statements that he got into. Yeah, he, he actually heard a little a little tinge of Reagan in there, you know the bear in the woods kind of uh, you know kind of uh, analogy if you will right if 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 they're a threat kind of thing but but then he turns around and i like i said i think he gave us a little peek into what he really feels a couple of the reporters were i don't know i don't i don't know if they were plants i mean they were they were from known news organizations abc nbc whatever uh but they were clearly trish asking questions that are just so founded in a, in an alternate re reality one of the questions that stands in my mind is is uh, one of the reporters asked you know the republicans blocked obama when when obama when you were the vice president obama was in office so how were you not prepared for the republicans to be blocking you this time around meaning like you know republicans just nasty blocking people all the time and uh, how do you not know that and how do you, you know it's just like how, where does a reporter come up with that premise for a question you have the you have the leader of the free world who's cognitively in decline and that's what you want to ask them because they're not reporters you just have to remember they they are they are all activists now rather than them you know reporting for the people they are literally just reporting for the biden administration so you have to keep that in, in reference like it's not it's not like the good old days where reporters did their job regardless of who was in office that it, they are all they are all just an arm of the democratic party at this point so just just you got to keep that in mind uh, Juliet Peter Ducey from Fox News got a question that was a bit of a surprise. He wasn't on the prepared list. He was asked after that when he got it got into the more freeform part of the press conference. And Ducey's question, I was very, very disappointed in. Uh, not that the question itself was bad, but the fact that he only got one, and this is the one he chose to ask. He asked, uh, Mr. President, why, why in your first year of your president, and I'm paraphrasing, why in your first year of your presidency are you pulling the country so far left? And Biden went, you know, he basically gave a list of of, of uh, bullet points, uh, items that, you know, he's had either in legislation that has passed or things that he's trying to get passed and say, you know, basically saying, well, you know, over, overwhelmingly, the American people agree with this, this, this and this and this. So it's not so far left. What do you think of that qu question is the only question from maybe one of the only honest reporters in the room? Very disappointing. And I'm 
I'm wondering if he thought he was going to have a gotcha moment. I don't I don't know what he thought the response was going to be. He, or if being able to ask a question at all came as such a surprise, he just kind of drew a blank. But um, yeah, I wish he had asked something better. Um, Biden's answer to that was still not good at all. But it wasn't a great question when, you, like you said, you have one shot, one chance to do this, and that's what you ask. Yeah, uh, Vince, the other thing that came out of this press conference was Biden, and I think we've heard the White House talking about this. I know Jen Psaki's been talking about it as well, that Biden's going to spend this year out on the road. He's going to be campaigning for for uh, people running for re-election. He's going to be out telling the American people how wonderful his administration has been in the, uh, the first year and all the great things they want to do in the upcoming years. How's that going to work? First of all, do you think he can actually do it? Do you think he actually can keep that kind of schedule? And secondly, if he does, is it going to help anybody? For every Republican in a swing district this year, yes, I hope he's out there as much as he, uh, he they can get him out there. Um, I, that again, I you know, what's the track record? I, it's not it's not that this is this is a guy that they've put out there and allowed to get to put out there. Could you imagine the the stuff we see that when they put him out in the stump now, where he's going to do that and you know all of these you know he's going to do it what half the states? I mean, they're going to all of these congressional districts that they need to win. Maybe maybe they put him out there you know the week before the election in safe districts where they know they're not going to lose. But I can't imagine you know, and and he even spent time today trying to defend his. Uh, his approval ratings being so low and saying they're not that low when, you know, good is 44. So my 33 is better. I, it's, I, I don't know. Well, that's some, that's some crazy, crazy math there, but I can't, I can't imagine. I, I think, mean, and I agree with what we talked, what we said earlier that he, they, they had to, we've seen him perform before he, days of sleep, crushed up Ritalin that they snorted. I don't know what it is, but there's something that he was, you know, I'm sure he was hooked to IVs, whatever it was, something was done to get him lucid for at least the first, well, the first hour and 10 minutes of that press conference. Vince, you and I had talked about, it. I don't, I think it was, it must've been last night. We talked about the fact that clearly yes. there was a meeting in the white house at one point where some junior staffer raised their hand and said, Mr. President, you're just not talking about your successes enough. The American people don't realize how great you've actually been. You need to, and, and this is an extension of that meeting. You can see that they really honestly think this is a communication problem. It's not an inflation problem. It's not an Afghanistan problem. It's not a border problem. It's not a uh, Ukraine problem. This is a communications problem. And if they keep thinking this, they're just going to keep sinking. Right. And that's uh, that's exactly what they tried to do today was try to take credit for successes and they had such a hard time doing it because there aren't any. What they talk about? They talk they talked about, you know, build back better. You can't get it through. You can't pass it. You're now talking. We actually discussed this last night. Where's Where's anybody trying? Where's Biden trying to make some sort of compromise to get something done? And he's kind of. I think it looks like he's he's finally resigned to the fact that okay, maybe we're going to get parts of it that are going to get done. Okay, none of the parts that are going to be important to the left flank of your party, right? So so which successes are you going to go back? To if you want to talk about you know the the midterms, which successes are you going to go back to the to the to the rank and file of the Democratic Party and use on a stump speech somewhere that says, "Hey, you got to reelect us. Look at all the great things we're doing for you." Yeah, uh, let's go around. Uh, Trish, you start, but on a scale of one to ten, how was Biden's performance today? Ten being great, one being dismal. Can I can I vote zero? <laughs> you can. I suppose. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him. <laughs> I don't like your scale, JV, at all. <laughs> uh, compared to compared to previous ones, let me 
let me do it that way because I can't compare him to anybody who can act like Trump who could sit there and volley with you know reporters back and forth for an hour and a half and never look at a note card and never and he just snap 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 so you can't compare comparing Biden to himself this was probably one of his better performances so I'm going to give him a four that's pretty generous Juliet where do you fall on that uh, um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> how did he do? I, you know what? I'm going to be more generous. I'm going to say a five just because wow. I didn't think he was capable of holding it together for that long at all. So he did really great for Biden. But yeah, that's all I can Vince? say. Vince? <laughs> I give him a solid 10. Whoa! I give him a 10. <laughs> a 10? And here's why. <laughs> yeah, because within the next week, his approval, his approval will actually go down. And what he's doing is he's setting up a, a successful midterm for Republicans to take the House and Senate. Like that was that. one of the greatest gifts he could <laughs> ever given to the Republicans in Congress. I have to say, he outperformed my expectations, but it was just another bland, dismal, boring, rambling, incoherent performance by this president. The second official press conference he's had, uh, this presidency, I, I don't see it improving. I mean... You keep thinking, though, that, you know, it's so bad, it can only get better at some point. It's going to take one little thing to maybe turn some of it around, but I don't know. I just don't think they're capable. They don't. Uh, they won't recognize the truth. They seem to just completely deny the truth, and uh, they're living in their own little, you know, theoretical world. Uh, let's change the subject here, because this is a really, really interesting story. Anybody who's been paying attention to what's going on with the January 6th stuff has heard the name Ray Epps. He's come up on uh, shows like Tucker Carlson's program and others where people are wondering, who is this man that is seen in so many videos encouraging the crowd to do things illegal? And he was originally on the FBI's most wanted list for January 6th, and then he suddenly disappeared, never been arrested, never been charged. So there's there's uh, suspicion anyway that uh, Ray Epps might be some affiliated with a federal agency in some fashion. Well, in response to that, they're going to bring him before the January 6th committee. Trish, what do you think about the Ray Epps thing? He's a fed. I mean, come on. Let's let's be honest. His, like, you guys laugh, but I'm like totally serious. Like, there's no way that this guy that they have on video over and over again saying, we need to storm the, we need to show them, we need to, you, we, you need to take up arms, you need to... And then he's not the first person that the FBI is pulling in and thrown in jail. Come on. Come on. We got the vegan shaman still sitting in jail. He didn't do anything but like walk around and talk to reporters, but and take pictures up at, you know, in Nancy Pelosi's seat, but he's in rotting in prison with, you know, that, you know the guy's a fed. I mean, and the fact that so many people have gone out and found him and tried to talk to him and he's completely just dismissive, like I'm not talking to anybody, I'm not saying anything. It's totally a fed. Yeah, I want to just show something here quickly because I think it illustrates uh, the point you just made. This is the FBI website. If you go to FBI.gov, and I've got it here live, you go to FBI.gov, here, the thing you have at the very top of the FBI website is seeking information. You get a whole bunch of pictures of these uh, J6 people. That takes precedence versus these terrorists that are down a little further. <laughs> That's how... Much emphasis. And if you click on it, and I, I see here, you start rolling through these pictures, you look at all these faces, 
And if they were, if Ray Epps was uh, a normal person who had done the things we've, he's been caught on film doing, he would be here. They knew his name. They have clear images of the man. And yet he was never arrested. So there has to be something. And even the crowd was calling him a Fed at one point, Juliet. Oh, yeah. I mean, he apparently, like, I mean, the crowd smelled him immediately. They were like, you are not one of us. You're you're trying to, like, incite us. Um, he, it's just so obvious. And the fact that they're having him come testify and still no charges, you know, and I wonder, is he going to say anything or is he going to plead the fifth? Is he going to, you know, what is what is the purpose of him going unless he's going to reveal who he works for? Cause I think at this point it's so clear that he works for somebody. He's immune to prosecution. Why? Well, so what happens Vince? Let's assume this is above board and he goes to this, the committee, he takes an oath that he has to tell the truth as he testifies. Then what? Does he tell the truth? Uh, he, he, I don't, I, well, it he, I, it doesn't sound to me like he's compelled to have to tell the truth. Um, I, that's the other thing is is the January sixth panel is I, I'm not I'm not sure. I actually believe it's in some respects it's 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 going beyond its actual legal powers. Way beyond uh, here anyway, right? Way beyond what they are probably legally allowed to do. So I, I think I, what I. Yeah, I think I think Ray Epps is going to be he's going to testify and tell a story and it's going to be very interesting to see what what that story becomes. Um I think my feeling is that Ray Epps goes down in history as uh he's he's he goes down in history as a Lee Harvey Oswald. Yes, the guy throat. the guy on he's the grassy Vince, knoll, Vince yeah. Foster. Yeah. <laughs> right, he's he is going to be he is going to be the uh the the character in the, in some you know, in the story of history of what was what was his real role and nobody'll ever really know. But let me let me get to to, to the real point to, not the real point here, but I, Here's here's a, a very interesting juxtaposition about what's going on with the FBI and and to some respects the national law enforcement and you kind of you kind of alluded to this a bit uh, when you showed their website while the FBI is screwing around with shit like this just last week we have a terrorist a known terrorist who got into this country from the United the United Kingdom and was able to hold a synagogue of of four or five people hostage. How does this guy get into our country? How does he get in there? If 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 if, if the FBI were actually doing the job that it was was meant to be doing and was actually doing the important things of law enforcement and wasn't a a, a politi weaponized politically uh, against the enemies of uh, of at this point the enemies of the Democrats, the enemies of uh, whether it's against Trump, whether it's against whoever it is, it's it's becoming an absolute. Not only is it becoming a it's be it's been a joke for a while, and I know we've talked about it, you know, on this on the show, how the FBI has become weaponized politically. However, now it's becoming downright dangerous. It really is. And there has to be a refocus or, or maybe a reimagination of, of what the FBI should be in this country. Well, um, Trish, the FBI, FBI is obviously on the case of those very, very dangerous parents that are attending school board meetings. Uh, they're all over the white supremacy problem we've got that's rampant around the country. So their priorities are pretty clear. Yeah to not do their job, to do actually the opposite of their job and make things worse, which that might be the political goal here the whole time. Like the, if they don't do their job, they make things worse. People beg the government to come in and take control and fix it for us. 
Like, and that's, I think that's what they're doing is they're pushing more for that total government control of everything, government control of schools, government control of healthcare. I mean, all this COVID stuff, you know, I, 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 I'm now happy that the UK has dropped everything when it comes to their COVID restrictions as of the 27th, I think there are no masks, no vaccine passports, no nothing. I'm like, okay, America, hello, the UK has figured it out. Why can't you? But I, I really think that the FBI is doing this all on purpose. They're, they're missing like that, that the terrorist that who came in through, he, he was MI5. He was being tracked by MI5. How did he get into this country if he's being tracked by MI5? I mean, that's just, that's ridiculous. So yeah, I, I concede my time. Yeah. Well, um, a couple things, just, just a couple, a couple things about Ray Epps and this whole situation, Juliet. And I don't know if you remember, I was just trying to do a quick search and I couldn't find it, but I am certain uh, maybe two weeks ago or so, I think after maybe even Tucker Carlson had a had a segment about Ray Epps on his program, uh, the January I think it was even Adam Kinzinger came out and said, "Oh yeah, we've already talked to him. You know, he's he's fine." So if they've already talked to him, why are they now bringing him back? So I don't know if that was the lie. And the other question is, and and I'll ask you. I'm sure you don't have an answer, but maybe you can speculate, and maybe Vince, you can speculate too on this, and then you can take it. But if is the J six committee in on the joke of this? Do they know what Ray Epps is or isn't? Do you think, or do you think that's a CIA or FBI thing in the J six committee? It's just a bunch of dumb stooges and don't know the difference. Oh, I think I think they know. I think they absolutely know because why else would he just? I, I mean, why else would they handle it this way? And I only think the reason he's being brought in front of them is because we won't shut up about it. Like they thought that if they ignored it, it would go away, but instead it's gaining traction. I mean, was it, wasn't it Ted Cruz that questioned the FBI? Mm -hmm. And that was, that was a train wreck of a questioning. Like none of those answers were good. None of them indicated that they weren't involved and they don't know who he is, you know? Um, But yeah, it's, it's growing and, the public just won't let it go. So now they have no choice but to address it. I don't know how truthful any of it will be, but I think they know who he works for. Vince, speculation on whether J6 committee knows what's going on here. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, the actual committee itself, the committee members themselves, I just, I, I'm not sure. Are there, are there maybe a, a, a couple of them that know the inside sure but i actually believe they're being hand fed by whatever lawyers were put in charge of you know and and staffers uh high level staffers that are actually putting all of this together remember remember the, the members of senate don't don't do this right they, they don't they don't figure all this stuff out they have staff people and i'm sure there's key members of that of of the staff for the january 6th committee who are you know well in the know of of who these people are i still don't think we'll ever figure out who ray Epps is though we'll never learn who he, who he really is uh, and just to just to reference what uh, Juliet was talking about here, this is Ted Cruz. I think it was last week. Who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. So that's Jill Sanborn, I think is her name. Um, obviously, one of the assistant directors of the FBI somewhere in the hierarchy there, denying outright that she even knows. And then she goes on to say several times she can't answer the question, just can't answer the question. So uh, there's a lot here to uncover. It'll be interesting. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if I if I want him to be a Fed so we can say, see, I told you so, or if I don't want him because that just really, really makes this filthy. I'm not sure which way I go go on it. Vince, what do you got? You got something there. 
We got some stuff. I did have some stuff related to the speech. Is it okay if we go back? Yeah, fine, wanna... sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I one of the there was a there was a telling piece in that which I think it it extends out out of the speech and of course it, it had to do with voting rights. Um, and and you may have noted the uh, the filibuster uh, t- tonight went down. Uh, they weren't able to they weren't able to, you know uh, get to a vote, so they killed the the voting right act uh, tonight again. Uh, so it doesn't look like they're going to have the votes. But there was something very interesting in the speech. I don't know if anybody caught this. Um, Juliet, did you did you see where he said um, that he put he put uh, Vice President Kamala Harris in charge of of voting rights, and she's doing a great job. <laughs> I, yes. I mean, yeah, she's doing a great job. <laughs> doing great. It's going really well for them. I. I Oh, I feel like it's that thing, you know, I can't, it was one of the propagandists that said, if you just lie enough times, people believe you. I think that's what they're going for here. Just keep lying and we'll eventually think they're doing a great job. I don't know. So, yeah, I, Trish, I, so he, he pretty much throws her, um, he, he throws, pretty much throws her under the bus on voting rights. Not the first time, if we all remember correctly. Who was in charge of the wonderful job they did at the border? Happens to be Vice President Kamala Harris. What do you think? Is this a setup job now? Or is that her role as Vice President oh. to take all the blame for all these? Every, these everything will to... be her fault. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's, she is now the mandatory scapegoat. Everything that goes wrong will go wrong. And it will be Kamala's fault. It won't be Joe's because I put Kamala in charge and she should be handling it. So, yeah, I... It's uh, it's such a joke, but I mean the whole the whole voting rights thing. I don't know if you guys follow. Okay, I have to admit this. I follow POTUS on Twitter. I'm sorry, but I have to because I literally <laughs> I have to get sure. a good laugh every day. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but yesterday he tweeted out, well, and I know it wasn't him. I know it's one of his like 20 year old staffers. Um, that Jim Crow 2.0 is about two insidious things: voter suppression and election subversion. It's about making it harder to vote, who gets to count the vote, and whether your vote counts at all. We have to pass the Freedom to Vote and John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. What, what kind of crap is this, Jim Crow 2.0? Right. Give me a break. Like this is, this is all just this, you're racist. If you don't support us, you're a racist. That's all this is. This is all just, you know, right. childish name calling. And, and, we, and I, you know, I almost feel sorry for Kamala, but then I really don't. But yeah, she's she's the man now the mandatory scapegoat for all things that go wrong. So JV, I don't know if you noticed the other. He he actually uh, the president actually got a question on whether uh, Kamala Harris would be on on the ticket again in twenty four. And did you see his answer? It was this very very matter of fact. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> or like a yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moved on. It wasn't particularly emotional or heartfelt, uh, but it was a yes. But hey, listen, you know. Uh, you got to you got to give Kamala Harris a little bit of credit. I mean, we have we have gems like this. It is time for us to do what we have been doing and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. I mean, when you have your number 2 uh, such as wordsmith, such a spokesperson for the the effort the White House has undertaken on every issue. I mean, you can't go wrong. So I hope he does run with her again. I really hope he does. 
Yeah, I think I think what we're seeing here, you you don't give the vice. I mean, the vice president is usually in charge of ribbon cuttings and ceremonial type things, right? And he's actually now given her voting rights and immigration, and they've both been abject failures. I am telling you. And then for him not to do a full throated, she's the greatest vice president ever to that question. There's nothing more telling of what's going to happen to her in 24. And I think what this is, the Joe Biden can't run for another term. And this is, this is the, this is the setup. You're going to see a two year setup to make sure that she is not the next president of the United States. Yeah. Let me just say, let me just add something. Cause those two issues, the border or immigration, not just the border, but immigration and voting rights. Uh, she will whine that they're just really hard jobs. Being vice president is just really, really difficult. These are hard jobs. Well, they're not so hard that, that uh, Trump didn't fix them. You know, I, I can't talk so much about voting rights per se because he didn't take that on as an issue, but he had the border secure. He had uh, negotiations going on with Central American and, and uh, Southern America, South American countries to handle this shit. And what does Kamala Harris do? She gets a lot of heat because nothing's be improving. She flies down there, has a bunch of worthless meetings, and then does nothing. She has done at least not that I unless there you know there's some really high powered negotiations going on behind the scenes. There has been nothing on any of this. What has she done on voting rights? Given a couple uh, hateful speeches, you know what else? What else has she done? I did see her presiding over the Senate tonight. You know, getting ready to break a tie if she needed to. Obviously, they didn't get there. Um, so she's her own worst enemy. She is truly incompetent. And she, you know, the, the cackle thing has destroyed her. The fact that she can't answer a question with any sincerity or any knowledge destroyed her. The, yeah, well, I haven't been to Europe destroyed her. I mean, she everything that comes out of her mouth just makes it worse for her. So you're right, Vince. They need to set this up and they need to make the change. I mean, I think they're going to wait till after the midterms to really start to move these chess pieces around. But they're going to get moved. Right. They're going to get moved. Absolutely. Get ready for Hillary. And, uh, you know. Exactly. I don't know. Let me, let me just, let me, I don't want to, I don't want to jump in when it's not my turn here, but let me just address the Hillary thing. Cause I saw a headline today that, uh, and I don't even remember where, where it came from. It was one of Epstein's Jeffrey Epstein's house domestic help. People said Epstein and Clinton, Bill Clinton were like brothers. That right there tells me Hillary Clinton is not going to be able to run for president because this is going to come out. Miss Maxwell didn't kill herself. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you have more events? Did, did you want me to go for, for a while? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. All yeah. right. I want to, this is, this one is another uh, story that I thought a bit uh, ironic here. Uh, Bernie Sanders is opening open to primarying Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema over their refusal to break the filibuster. Senator Bernie Sanders, who is a socialist, elected as an independent from Vermont, said Tuesday that he would be open to primarying Senators Manchin and Cinema, who uh, because they did not support breaking the filibuster. Trish, he's not even a Democrat. Why is he talking about Democrat politics when he's not even a Democrat? Well, because he is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just his constituents aren't smart enough to figure that out. Like, he he's caucuses with the Democrats. He he doesn't caucus with the Republicans. When has Bernie, as an independent, ever caucused with the Republicans? Answer, never. Why? Because he's a Democrat. And he's not just a Democrat. He is a very far left Democrat. He is a socialist Democrat. And those are the most dangerous kind, in my opinion. So, yeah. First of all, Joe Manchin, uh, 
is a Democrat, but his entire state voted for Trump. So he's a very moderate centrist. And those are the kind I like. I like those kind of Democrats because they do think about what's best for their own people. Same with cinema. I mean, I, she's trying to do what's best for all the people of, her, of Arizona, not just what her. And again, it's, this goes back to the if you don't tow the party line, we're going to rake you across the coals. And that's that's what it is. They're not towing the party line. They're making a stance for their own constituents, not the party. And they're going to take some heat for it. But how is it, Juliet, that, that uh, Bernie Sanders and, and in this role, he's acting as a spokesperson for the Democrat Party. He is talking about the fact that the Democrats should primary these two and that he would support that effort and maybe even be the, um, you know, the, the uh, arbiter of it or the, the motivation for it. And he's not a Democrat. In fact, on Trisha's point here, Joe Manchin is, is a traditional Democrat in my view. Bernie Sanders is truly a socialist and he can only caucus with the Democrats because even though he's not really in line with them because he's much farther left, he's closer to them than the Republicans, obviously. Absolutely. Um, I feel like they're just all getting sloppy now. I mean, anybody paying attention knows that Bernie Sanders is a Democrat. He always sides with them. Um, and I think because of his age and because of the length of his career, he probably does hold a lot of sway in Congress uh, on the Democrat side. And he's so now he's like speaking up when really he shouldn't be saying that out loud. Uh, but I, I think this is this is the future right now. This is what the direction they're going to take things. Um, if you're moderate, they don't want you anymore. You have to vote on the party line. And if you don't do what you're told and vote the way you're supposed to, they're going to get rid of you and replace you with somebody who will. Vince, shouldn't Bernie, shouldn't Bernie Sanders be out there in these two states, which would be West Virginia and Arizona, recruiting an independent to run as a third-party candidate or maybe even a socialist? May, I'm sure they have socialist parties in those states. Um, I, I bet Arizona doesn't, but um, they might be able to find a couple uh, somewhere. Yeah, that's – but you're absolutely right. And, and to call Bernie an independent is, is – you know, it's it's the it's small eye, it, big eye, right? I think I really believe that's kind of what we're talking about here. Um, usually, the the term independent is uh, is left for someone who doesn't feel at home in either party and feel that they're more, you know, they're more that centrist. That's how Bernie Bernie can't find anybody farther farther left to go have lunch with. So <laughs> in his party, so that's why he's 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 oh, out. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if that's true anymore. I mean, don't you think the well, squad? gets pretty close and maybe even elizabeth warren pretty yeah, close yeah they do that is true they do they do but they're they're using bernie for his you know for his clout so they can push their own agenda let's be honest uh but but yeah i i i just think, think that uh, you would think that bernie would have to find somebody more in line with him other than than you know trying to find i don't know if he's gonna run primaries why doesn't he find him if, he, if he's if he's especially if, if you're concerned with just getting rid of them Right. The, then why you either way, whether you're going to go find someone to run, or you're going to have a primary. Basically, what Bernie Sanders is saying is let's let's turn those seats red. Let's elect Republicans from those areas because they would be better in line with the views of the people who live there instead of having Democrats who who go ready. I guess this is I guess this is kind of out there for Bernie. The idea of actually votes with the people that they represent. Wow. It's a <laughs> novel idea. Trish, uh, speaking of Bernie Sanders, it re reminds me that uh, his name was invoked in this press conference tonight. 
And Joe Biden said, I'm not Bernie Sanders. Like he got a little defensive. Then he realized what he had done. He said, oh, but Bernie and I are good friends. I really like Bernie, but I'm not him. Uh, What's Joe Biden trying to do there to distance himself from Bernie Sanders? That is it. Well, I think Joe Biden's trying to distance himself from everybody at this point. I I think he's trying to just (laughs) just stay above board. Keep his note, like, don't make waves. Don't just be as benign as possible to not make any bad moves. I mean, but, you know, Joe Biden is like the definition of bad moves. I mean, he tries to, like, be that way, but he then tanks every single time. So that's the, the one good thing is he is predictable, if nothing else. But I don't know what he meant by that birdie comment. I, But then again, I... The guy, the guy's brain is like Swiss cheese. He can't, he can't complete a sentence. So like to try and figure out what he's thinking about when he says it, I'm not even going to go. There's not enough drugs in the world that would make me understand what Joe Biden is thinking. (laughs) All right, Juliet, this one is, uh, I don't know if this is going to make you mad or you're going to laugh, but uh, Oregon officials are floating the idea of making indoor mask mandates permanent. Oregon's health officials are considering making the indoor mask mandate permanent, which requires everyone age five and older to wear a mask in indoor public spaces. Indoor public spaces include public public and private workplaces, businesses, indoor areas open to the public, building lobbies, common or shared spaces, spaces, classrooms, elevators, bathrooms, transportation services, and other indoor space where people may gather for any purpose. Permanent, Juliet. I thought we were trusting the science. Like, where is the science that backs that up? I mean, they're absolutely, they have lost it. I don't know what what we do, like build walls around Oregon. So <laughs> we just trap the crazy there. I mean, under what circumstances would that ever make any sense as a public health policy? You're just going to mask everybody permanently for what, for why? I just, I, <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully that just disappears and we can all just laugh at it. But knowing the people that have been elected there, I don't know. (laughs) It might actually be a thing. Well, that's the point here. When you elect unserious people, you get unserious proposals like this. Vince, this doesn't isn't clear in the article whether this is the health uh, department of the state of Oregon doing uh, mandating this or it's a legislative action by the legislature. I'm not sure which it is. Either way, it's crazy. But the other thing is, can you imagine... For, from this point on, if they make this per- permanent, weddings, funerals, class plays. I mean, imagine going to a wedding and everybody, I mean, I, you know there people are kind of dealing with it now, but forever, I, I don't get it. Forever. Forever. Every day is Halloween. It's a big masquerade party. Wear your <laughs> mask. Do you know? Did you know it's illegal in New York to wear two masks? I found that out this week. Really? Other than Halloween or for a masquerade party, it, it's some old law that's on the books because that that's it, there's a social there's a there's a viral thing on social media because it's actually illegal in the state of New York for to uh, to enter into small ta- talk on an elevator. Uh, anyway, but that's that's what of the, and this mask thing came up. So technically, if you wear two masks, you're in violation of New York State law. Um, anyway, I digress. I, the the best part the best thing the CDC came out this week and said cloth masks don't work. Well, well, no shit. Haven't we all been saying this for for <laughs> over a year now? Hey, how does this work? That I've got you know, there's air leaking out the sides when I and 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 they're coming to this uh, conclusion because they're you go outside in the winter and when you exhale and it's cold out. They, you see your breath, right? We've been doing this since we were kids. Look, I can see my breath. It goes through the mask. 
or it leaks out the side of the mask. So now the CDC is telling us that the cloth, we were all told to wear a mask, wear a mask. Here's, here's the list of masks you can wear. And now 90% of those masks are being told don't even work. So yeah, I, I don't know. Oregon, let Oregon pass its laws. I mean, they, they, now maybe, maybe, maybe people in Oregon are ugly. <laughs> well, one of the things that was talked about, and I don't know how far this has gone or where, where it sits, but there were like 16 counties in Oregon that were trying to secede from Oregon and go and join uh, Idaho. Right. Uh, Idaho. You know, I mean, some people just want to get the hell out of here. I want to show you something because this was brought up uh, uh, last night. I was on a, another program after this program uh, with Chase and some others. And uh Chase actually showed me this, and I didn't know it existed. This is from the EPA. This is a study of mask effectiveness from the EPA. I'm going to try to blow it up so you can see these numbers a little bit better. It's kind of hard to see. Is that better, I think? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. So you can look, you can see here, like, two-layer woven nylon mask, 44.7% at filter filtering out viral particles. Um Cotton bandana is actually better at 49.9%. Uh, single layer woven polyester gator. What, that's, I guess, that thing around the guy's neck right here. 37.8. Uh, non woven, I'm jumping down a few. Non woven polypropylene uh, mask with fixed ear loops, 28.6% effective at filtration. I mean, these, are, these numbers are dismal. The only one that does have any significant filtration is the N95 mask with 98.4%. So this whole idea that these masks actually do something is just fantasy, Trish. It's complete fantasy. Well, and, and, the, and the other thing that people keep forgetting is that your eyeballs are exposed. And guess what? If it's airborne... Guess where those particles can go and you're going to get it. They go in your eyeballs. So the fact that they think, again, it goes back to what Fauci said originally back in March of 2020. Okay. This is just, it. all it, all those masks are is just a security blanket. It is not providing, it may, like he said, it may, it might catch one or two droplets, but it is not giving you any kind of protection. And we talked about that on Monday. The CDC's own magazine put out an article in October of 2020 saying that cloth masks don't work in hospitals. So why would you think that they would work for the common man who doesn't know how to use PPE, who constantly touches it, rearranges it, doesn't wash it? I mean, let's be honest. I have, listen, I can tell you some of the masks I have seen on my students and they are disgusting. Like they take them off to talk to me and the inside is just black with makeup, with you know, schmutz with, it's like, oh, schmutz. Uh, how could you? Not schmutz. <laughs> schmutz. Yes. <laughs> I thought schmutz was illegal. I think, I think in New York it is. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> here in Florida though. In Florida, we're, we're good. Yeah. But no, I mean, yeah. it's people don't know how to use PPE. And that's, again, that's what I've been saying from the very beginning about this. If this was truly about your health, they would have been saying what type of mask how to take care of it, how to wash it, what you should and shouldn't do. But none of these mask mandates have had any of that. This is all about control. Everybody knows the masks didn't work, but it's about how, how many rights can we take away from you one by one? And listen, they just did these little steps, little by little. They've been pulling away and people agreed and they let them. And you know what? We're getting what we deserve because we gave up our liberties so easily. The uh, 
one of the most important things too here is you can have the best mask in the world if it's not fitted properly, as Victor pointed out in our YouTube chat, if it's not tightly around your face. In fact, some of the, the little bit of editing I was able to do with the Biden speech to, or the press conference today, one of the reporters, and I don't remember who, which news organization she was from, she had one of those masks. You know the masks to make you look like a duck? They have the big duck bill thing. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever that is. She had one of those, but there was so much space around, like it stuck up so far off her face. You could drive a truck through that damn thing. You know, I mean, what good yeah. does that do? And just like, actually, I should, I should stop and shouldn't say this. I'm going to let you use your imagination, but all it takes is one viral particle to hit uh, your, like Trish said, your eye or to inhale it for you to get the virus. So it can stop 99 point whatever percent. It's just going to take one. It's just going to take one that gets through and a lot more than one are getting through. Right. And the N95s are only effective if they're so well fitted that you can't smell an onion in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Juliet, so, I mean, this is insanity. And Oregon wants to make these things permanent. Uh, Oregon is just, I mean, we thought California was nutty. Oregon is nutty, nutty. Yeah. I mean, the one perk is if everybody wears masks all the time, it will make it a lot easier for them to riot and steal stuff because <laughs> yeah. it's a lot harder to identify somebody by this much of their face. Um, I don't know. I mean, the the way they've handled the whole masking thing for the past two years is absolutely just hilarious to look back on now like you know don't no, no don't run out and get good masks we you don't need those just use a t-shirt and then now it's like oh no cloth masks don't work at all we're gonna give everybody free masks everybody gets a free good mask now but like what am i gonna do with one you're supposed to throw it away afterwards right you can't wash a disposable mask I, just, I don't know. It's all insanity at this point. Uh, changing the topic here because we're getting close to the end of the show. And by the way, uh, I do want to mention that I'm amazed that this flat earth argument is still taking place in our YouTube chat. It has been going on for months. What? We have, we have breaking, <laughs> uh, breaking the image is a flat earth theorist. And everybody else is not. <laughs> and this debate has been going on in our chat room for months. Maybe uh, we started this show in March. This probably started in April, this debate. And it's still going on. Uh, here we go. This this is, uh, get, get everybody get ready here. Biden inflation. Oil soars to an eight-year high, uh, pumping gas prices toward recent highs. And they expect it to climb even further. Vince, they're talking about... $100 a barrel oil. We're at $86 right now. When Trump was in office, we were hovering between 40 and 50 bucks a barrel. There was a big headline this week that uh, the price of gas had dropped. I think I think it was four cents. Yeah. That's <laughs> the average. It's like, thank God. Thank God we're helping the American people by dropping the price this week. Uh, yeah, this, let me tell you, I, I actually... And, and, you know, that's the other thing you really didn't hear. You heard, you heard the word inflation used and we, how we have to get it under control today in that press conference, but you did not hear about what's to come. And, and when it comes to, I mean, we're at the beginning of, of winter and for majority of this country, and we are getting into, you know, in another 30 days, it's home heating prices are going to become a crisis. And all that's going to do is take the Biden administration into a, uh, a worse tailspin. I really do believe that, that the worst of his administration is actually coming. It's not, it, we're not, we're not through it yet. And that's just it. I mean, it, and again, I mean, you're, you're, you're playing, you're playing games with Russia. 
you're playing games with with uh, you know uh, uh, in the Middle East. You're not you're not a strong leader on on those fronts, and then we just keep denying the the uh, the need for uh, exploration of of, uh, of resources here, so we're not dependent on those. And and you know how what maybe a year ago, uh, not a year ago, but maybe. I would say a year and a half ago, we were in a position as a country, right? Where we were actually less dependent on foreign oil, uh, gas prices. We all know where they were, you know, a little more than a year ago. And it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better anytime soon. There's nothing on the horizon. And when you have a major press conference and you don't bring it up, you know that they don't have a plan for it or they, I don't think they have any desire. Um, Real quick, I've gone on too long with this, but just real quick. And I'm still convinced that part of this is to push the green agenda to move us to yep. you know electric cars and everything else to get people we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna basically we're gonna tax you out of being a a gas guzzler uh you know consumer yeah no it's just it's crazy yeah that was gonna be my follow-up question for trish uh this article goes into the fact that uh, high oil prices don't just affect home heating and don't just affect uh what you pay at the pump they affect everything in fact a major reason for the amount of inflation we've been seeing is related to energy prices increasing for because it affects transportation a lot of products are made from petroleum parts of their parts are made from petroleum plastics are all made from petroleum so this directly affects inflation so trish when biden is asked about inflation which he was tonight and he talks about coronavirus and supply chain and it's a global problem it's not just us so it's not my fault uh he fails to mention the dirty little secret which is they are intentionally manipulating energy markets because of what vince just said they want us driving electric cars and they know they can't do it um above board so what they have to do is this backdoor way to make it so expensive that you can't afford to put gas in your car and you're forced to look at an alternate uh, vehicle, even though that vehicle is twice as, as expensive as your normal traditional vehicle is. Well, and it, it let's be honest, the the elites will never have to have that problem. They will still have gas. They will have their gas guzzling SUVs, and they will have their private jets, and they will they will their lifestyle will not change. Let's be honest. The only people who are going to suffer are the working class. We we those of us who work our nine to five jobs to keep food on the table, we are the ones who are going to suffer because we're not going to be able to afford an electric car. And then they're going to start taxing us by the mile on our electric cars. And then they're going to, there's always going to be something because it's just another way for the government to get more money from the working class stiffs. That's all this is. And the thing that about the electric cars that really pisses me off the most is that what we have to do to the earth to get the minerals, to make the batteries for these, it's, it leaves so much larger a carbon footprint than my little, you know, my little Chevy does that gets, you know, 35 miles to the gallon. You know, my little Chevy doesn't do nearly the damage to the planet that an electric car does. Those batteries, and let's not, you know, talk about the child labor, the child slave labor that's being used to mine these. They don't want to talk about any of that because it's all about virtue signaling. Look at me. I'm saving the planet with my electric car that I plug in and get the electric, my electricity from the coal plant right down the road. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's they're so out of touch and they're so much more concerned with the virtue signaling than they are about actually talking about the reality of what their green energy is doing to the planet. Yeah. And it's not just virtue. I mean, this is at the point where this is a coordinated effort, a plan. And if you watch the words of the energy secretary and uh, other cabinet members, they have revealed this. They've said it. 
the the the, the climate czar, whoever that I can't remember her name. Uh, she said it in an interview. She said we want. Uh, fossil fuel prices to increase because it'll encourage people to move to other to alternatives. So this is intentional. Juliet, we know this is intentional. Many people in the American public understand what's really at play here. They're not as stupid as the Biden administration would like to think they are. And maybe this is why nobody takes Joe Biden seriously with anything he says. I mean, yeah, maybe. Um I hope people are smart and I hope that they see what's really happening. I don't know. I don't know. They don't let us talk to each other a lot anymore. We have to flee to our corners of the internet and find a little group of people that agree with us. I mean, it's it's just really worrisome. And I mean, I know you guys are up north of me. This winter has been brutal, brutal. already. I mean, brutal. just absolutely what do you What do you heat awful. with, Vince? What do you heat with, Vince? Oil? Oil. Yeah, me yeah. too. It's been it's unbelievable, Juliet. It's crazy. And that's that's the thing. Like they're saying, oh, well, if the oil prices go up, people will find alternatives. Are they kidding? If you're trying, if you're struggling to pay to heat your house, how are you going to completely redo the heating system in an old house that doesn't have room for ducks? Like I mean, they live on another planet. That's not how yeah, life well, works. And our reality here, as Vince will attest, is that we don't have natural gas. It's not even an option for us. It doesn't exist here. The only other real, we have two other options. One is propane, which is just as bad. And the other one is wood, <laughs> burning wood is, and that's not really a central heat option. I mean, they do have some of those things, but Vince, we Which, we're, we're they're, they're going after wood. Yeah, they're starting to go after wood mm -hmm. now. Yeah, and then I, I love I love the arguments when they tell me that it's you know solar and wind are going to save the day uh, here because first of all, if just spend the winter in upstate New York, you might as well just keep your lights off the entire winter because there's not enough sunlight to power you know to power a toaster. So yep. I don't know what we're what we're <laughs> thinking. And and I've always heard you know when it comes to wind and, and that has you know there's been some some growth in wind and I guess you know it becomes a supplement to the grid. Okay, it helps out, right? That's fine. But I I, I always I always come to this analogy I once heard. Just think about the weather on the coldest day of the winter. And the hottest day of the summer when heating and air conditioning are most in demand, there's no wind. That's why the, that's <laughs> yeah. why it's so cold it's and true. so hot. Right? That's there's true. No wind. Yep. That's why the demand's up. So I don't understand how they think it's going to work. I, you know, hopefully somebody smarter than me will figure it out. But but again, if we don't solve the problem and have the resources to heat our homes now, and that's the other thing. You're talking years before you can convert. What are we supposed to do this winter? Next winter? Yeah. The, um, God help us all the day you try to get out of your driveway after a snowstorm in your electric car. Yeah, the, 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 re, the reality is that these sources cannot provide nearly enough energy. They cannot, they cannot supplant uh, fossil fuels. They just can't. And the more they restrict fossil fuels, they're just damaging uh, everyday Americans. I don't, one of you folks said that. I don't remember which. Vince, um, I do want to remind folks, too, as, as this whole discussion goes, talking about electric cars and, and as Trish pointed out, what they do to the environment – I have mentioned it many times. Watch uh, Michael Moore's documentary, Planet of the Humans. Michael Moore is a flaming liberal, but this documentary is unbelievably revealing. And he shows how bad all of this is and what a, what a f scam it is. 
uh, solar energy, wind energy, biofuels, all of this stuff. He goes into it in detail. He comes out the other side on, with a different conclusion. He basically says we have to reduce the population. That's our only answer. Uh, but the but the truth of what he shows with the alternative energy uh, industries uh, is unbelievably revealing, and it tells the story very, very well. Vince, unless you've got something really, really pressing that you wanted to bring up, I think we've we've reached a good point to, good. to call it a night here. I'm yeah, good. good show. All right, Trish, thanks so much for being here. I always love your input. You do need to correct the uh, angle of your flag a little I bit because it's a little crooked <laughs> there. They make these things are called levels, and they they help you figure that out. So work on that. I mean, there we go. Is that better? There you that go. Is better. Perfect. Uh, Perfect. Ju- Juliet, good to see you. Thanks for joining us tonight. Appreciate it. Always love having you on. And uh, please, Thanks, yeah, please subscribe, follow, and do all of those things. If you're new to the program, especially, make sure you uh, select a couple of different platforms because we've had some re- reliability issues with Foxhole. It goes out a lot because of the high demand there. They're still ramping up. And YouTube, we know, it's just one. we're one word away. One word away from a suspension again. We've had two already, and we know that word will happen at some point. Probably when Britt comes back. He might be back tomorrow night. We'll see. Anyway, everybody have a great night. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time.